0: One or two or three or
1: four five force five. Welcome to the Force Five Podcast, a show where I challenge my guests to come up with a movie themed five list and then we discuss those lists on air. I'm your host Kleberg and today my guest is Jack, host of the weekly Rabbit Hole Podcast. How's it going, Jack? Oh, it's going
2: fantastic. Thank you.
1: Hey, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, where you're from.
2: Yeah, so uh, my name is Jack. I'm a sound designer from Chicago, Illinois. Uh, right now, I'm running uh, the Weekly Rabbit Hole, as you said. I'm also working on a couple of uh, projects aside from that. Uh, I, also, uh, <laughs> I, I also watch a lot of horror movies, as <laughs> it's going to become very evident very quickly. Uh, and my pronouns are she and her.
1: Very cool. And why don't you tell us about the topic that you chose for today's show?
2: Yes, yeah, so tonight's topic is going to be top five awesome movie titles.
1: Yeah, this was a fun one to, uh, to research, and I think I got some really good picks. I'm sure you do as well.
2: Oh, yeah. I, there are so many that I wish I could talk about, but I'm like, yeah, I have to make some cuts at some point. I can't do a top 25.
1: <laughs> yeah, no kidding.
2: I probably could have made a top 5 just out of uh, giallo film titles but it restrained myself. So it's not just 5 giallo movies. <laughs> oh,
1: there's there's a fun game that you can play called uh, is this a giallo movie title or a Fallout Boy song title? <laughs> and, and it actually works pretty awesome.
2: That that's got to be that's got to be a party game. <laughs> I'll make that a party game.
1: <laughs> yeah, n- next time you have a get together, giallo title
2: or Fallout Boy title. There we go. I I will have uh, friends who will either know one or the other, and it will be a strange event.
1: (laughs) Well, before we get to the list, let's talk about what we've been watching, and I watched two things this week that have great titles, so I'm just going to kick it off with my first one, and it's from 2001, it's about as far from a horror movie that you can get, and that's My Big Fat Greek Wedding.
3: Did you want to see some brochures? (gasps) Found them.
0: When Tula met Ian, (laughs) she found her man. I just want to spend a little time with you. And he found her family. No one in my family has ever gone out with a non-Greek before. Oh! A respectful boy would come here and ask for my permission. May I
1: Please date your
0: daughter. No. I'll do anything to get them to accept me. End it now.
3: I love <laughs> you. No. You invited the whole family.
0: We're yeah! gonna be baptized tomorrow. Nikki's gonna be your godmother. I've never seen my sister so happy. No. If you hurt her, I'll kill you and make it look like an accident. Hey, Ian, we're going (laughs) to kill (laughs) you.
1: Directed by Joel Zwick. Um, Joel Zwick is mostly a TV director, so if you've never heard of him, I wouldn't blame you. He's done a lot of, like, he did a lot of the TGIF shows, um, Full House, Step by Step, Family Matters, those kind of shows. But, yeah, in 2001, he directed My Big Fat Greek Wedding, written and starring... Nia Vardalos, uh, and it was nominated for Best Original Screenplay. also stars John Corbett, Lainey Kazan, and Michael Constantine. A young Greek woman falls in love with a non-Greek and struggles to get her family to accept him while she comes to terms with her own identity. Have you seen this one?
2: I have not. I definitely know what it is, but I never ended up watching it.
1: Yeah, I was surprised to learn while I was reading about it afterwards that this is the highest-grossing romantic comedy of all time.
2: Whoa, even to this day?
1: Yeah, to this day. It's the highest-grossing romantic comedy of all time, and it actually had... I I believe it still holds the record for longest time in theaters. It broke Titanic's record.
2: Whoa, that's wild! Oh, man, no wonder it's stuck in my brain. It was just (laughs) around for forever. Yeah, it was everywhere.
1: And um, just it's a it's a solid movie. It's not when you say romantic comedy, it's not really a comedy in that it's full of laughs, but it is there was a few chuckles. It's a chuckler. It's not it's not a belly laugher. <laughs> it's also got very little flash, but it is an engaging story with realistic characters. And to me, it was sort of refreshing to see that most people in the movie just kind of look like normal, everyday people. And it was a stark contrast from those kind of movies that you see now where Kevin James is the guy and he's married to some supermodel or uh you know <laughs> Adam Sandler is married to uh Jennifer Aniston and it was it was a, a definitely a contrast to that that those movies that seem so abundant. Awesome. Yeah, and I, I related to the guy because my wife is from a really big family and this is about, you know, a white guy that marries into this huge Greek family and uh he has to <laughs> kind of adapt and she adapts and it's a really sweet movie if you're looking for something that's really lighthearted and realistic i think this is a it's a strong choice
2: all right then i'll i'll keep that one in mind all right
1: yeah it's my big fat greek wedding from 2001 Uh, what's something that you've been watching
2: so uh i randomly without realizing it uh watched three movies all from the same year like all in a row yeah they're all from 1972 i watched tales from the crypt Asylum and The Night Stalker. Uh, two of the first two of those are cheesy, fun anthology horror movies, uh, and very obviously inspired by EC Comics. Uh, and then The Night Stalker is a really cool, like, blend of like hardboiled detective and like horror. And it follows a detective who's uh, tracking down a serial killer in Las Vegas that turns out to be a vampire.
0: Introduce myself, my name is Kolshak of the Daily Chronicle. Kolshak reports the bizarre, the supernatural, the unexplainable. You again is another crazy story. This nut thinks he is a vampire. You know what I call that? Irresponsible yellow journalism. He has killed four, maybe five women. I saw that so-called super killer wipe up the streets with your so-called police force. They don't want any help from amateur bloodhounds like you. Well, I've been a reporter for 22 years. I've been a police officer for 30. Well, then why don't you retire? Each man of the field is issued one of these and uh, one of these. Are you suggesting that we pound one of these into Scorsini's chest? No, no, into his heart. Darren McGavin, the Night Stalker.
2: It had a sequel and it had a TV series and all of that stuff uh, inspired the X-Files, which is its own kind of interesting historical tidbit. But the movie itself is very fun. And uh, the final like uh, climactic scene in like this house uh, reminded me a lot of uh, like the sort of climactic stuff that happens in. The Salem's Lot mini series that Toby Hooper directed? Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I was very impressed with it. It was uh it was an ABC Movie of the Week, um which they had some really good ones with like Duel and uh I, I forget if Trilogy, uh, Trilogy of Terror was technically an ABC Movie of the Week. I think it was. Um But yeah, good movie. And then um, Panic in the Streets was the other one I watched uh, most recently that was fantastic.
0: You haven't got much time, Mr. Quinn. Commissioner, what's the use of kidding ourselves? We can't track down an unknown killer in two days. He's absolutely right, but there's only one way to do this. You get on the radio and panic the city. Now, oh, wait a minute. Here with recorded is the story of a silent, savage menace. How for three days a great American city found itself outside the United States of America. The events, incidents, and emotions of the people who were a part of it, who found time running out as they looked into the face of mortal peril. I knew you guys were crazy. But wait a minute, Nev. Wait a wait minute. Wait for what? Somebody else to die? You two men! Listen to me! I've got something to tell you!
1: Panic in the Streets. I've not heard of this one. Tell me about it.
2: Yeah, so this is a uh, film noir about a public health official who is trying to track down. Uh, the murderers of a man who had pneumonic plague because he's trying to prevent an outbreak of the plague in New Orleans and it's so cool oh my gosh like it's everything I wanted it to be it's full of like all the amazing like film noir cinematography and like these really like hard-edged characters but it's also like it's about epidemiology like at its core, it's about epidemiology, and they're not tracking down like the murderer so they can put him in prison. They're tracking down the murderers so that they can stop them from spl- spreading a deadly disease. After like the two-day imp- incubation period, it's fascinating. And pneumonic plague is horrifying because it has like a hundred percent mortality rate. Ooh. Yeah, and it's very contagious. Like regular plague, like bubonic plague isn't very contagious but pneumonic plague gets in your lungs and goes out through your like respiratory droplets which i think many of us can uh understand (laughs) the the anxiety that comes from that in this stage uh but yeah fantastic movie it's very very fun and very exciting uh loved it highly recommended
1: do you think you liked it more because of the situation we're all in right now
2: (laughs) i you know i'm i think i did um I definitely felt like I loved Contagion way more because of uh, the current situation. It felt like a lot more cathartic, but I'm also just a sucker for, like, epidemiology and, like, epidemic movies, so that's a huge part of that. (laughs) That's
1: awesome. The last thing that I've been watching is also from the 70s, from 1974, a little movie called Freebie and the Bean.
0: How in the world did you guys stay alive till now? (laughs) How do you get up in the morning? A lady the princess is You to here to have a Please, fight. lady! She nearly knocked me down. Where, where, where? She went in there. Hey, you can't go in there!
1: I've spent half my life in toilets. What was going through
0: your mind? Indecent exposure? Red Myers? Are you insane? How about if you got pushed off! What are do you doing? Huh? I'm getting crazy! I'm getting crazy up here! Intelligence squad. What were you doing at the Red Coach Motor Lodge last night, lady?
3: Uh, Oh yeah, yeah. Lying. Your car was at the Red Cross
0: Water lodge. So what? You apologize about my gun. You, you apologize, apologize today! Apologize about my gun. I apologize about your lip. You're not fit to guard the fish at the
1: aquarium. If See, we, we had, if, we had if, if, if you had with all help, an airtight, airtight case tight against case, Red
0: Cross, an indictment in the grand jury, would that would that would that would that
1: change you? Would it help anything,
0: sir? Would that change for you? Uh, would that change things sir? So I mean, cha- an airtight case, sir. Airtight.
1: Indecent
2: Exposure. You know, that's an amazing title. It I, is. Uh, I, I have not heard of it. <laughs> it is.
1: Um, it stars James Caan as Freebie and Alan Arkin as The Bean. And you're right, great title. It's not a title that they would ever be able to make this day and age because the title is, so you've got Freebie, and he's called Freebie because he takes things from crime scenes. He's a detective, and he just takes, oh. he's like steals things from crime scenes. <laughs> And then you have Alan Arkin as the Bean, and he's named the Bean because he's Mexican.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the, that sort of titles don't get past the radar anymore, do they?
1: No. So yeah, this is um, this is about two detectives, Freebie and the Bean, and they're in San Francisco, which is where I live right near. So this was kind of a cool time capsule of like '70s San Francisco. Um, But the plot is they've been building this case against this gangster or this kind of like the mob figure, Red Myers, for over a year. And just as they're about to bag him on a Friday, they find out that they're not going to be able to have the warrant until Monday. And there's a hitman in town that has a contract on this dude's life. So they're determined to keep this guy alive through the weekend so that they can get their bust.
2: Oh, that is a good ticking. That is a good ticking clock it is of plot that's a great premise i love that
1: it's a great buddy cop film and the banter between freebie and the bean is to me one of the best things about it if you like movies like lethal weapon you'll definitely appreciate the bond that these two have they have just really good chemistry together the other cool thing about this movie is that they wreck a ton of cars so if if you like car chases those Really dirty 70s car chases like Bullet. Nice, nice. You're gonna like this. It's kind of strange seeing a police movie where, and they made these a lot in the 70s, where they'll just, you know, launch a car into an apartment building and then shoot a couple bad guys in broad daylight. And then they're just back on the streets <laughs> at work after their lunch break, which, you know, you don't <laughs> really see that anymore.
2: It's, it's a little bit different climate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: but uh yeah definitely worth seeking out uh warner archives put this out on on uh, blu-ray and it the picture looks great for 1974 the sound is really good and i've only seen alan arkin primarily as an older guy and and it was funny in this to see him with hair he almost kind of looks like a paul Reiser.
2: oh my gosh
1: <laughs> but uh, yeah, Freebie and the Bean, 1974, definitely worth the watch. And if you're in the Bay Area like me, it's it is really cool seeing San Francisco, uh, you know, 40, 50 years ago.
2: Fantastic.
1: All right. Well, let's get to the list. We're doing five amazing movie titles tonight. Did you did you have any qualifications for your list? Did you have a theme to your list? How did you come up with your titles, just in general?
2: Well, uh, the main uh, determiner for me was uh, the fact that I watch a lot of horror movies, and so I'm going to have a lot of horror movies just based on the fact that it's what I watch a lot of, but I did try within those confines to kind of keep them, like, I mean, I could make a whole list of stuff, like, this, just portmanteaus, or, like, really, really long titles, but, like, <laughs> yep. you know, I tried to... I tried to mix it up a little bit, get some alliteration, get some portmanteaus, you know, a few different things.
1: Cool. Yeah, I I sat down to do my research for this, and I just kind of put them into I put them into categories. So like, I could have done a, a whole five on movie titles that were double entendres. Yeah. And uh, just decided, you know what? I, I'm just gonna throw one double entendre pick on there. So I've, I have different categories. I have the double entendre category. I have the funny category. I have the badass category. I have the change the world category, and then I have just my favorite title of all time on here.
2: I'm gonna try and put mine into uh, rough categories to match yours. Yes, <laughs> we can. <laughs> all right, cool. I think I know how I'm gonna organize it then, if we're doing it like <laughs> that. All right, cool. All right, I wasn't sure stuff. which order I was gonna go, but that that I think I'm I think I've got it now. All right. <laughs>
1: Oh, you know, something else I didn't mention. I, I have a title from every genre here, too.
2: Oh, exciting, exciting. Much more diverse than me. <laughs>
1: I, I tried to keep it diverse because, like you, I could have done, you know, when you said five, you could have done five Jello titles, I was right there with you. There's so many great horror titles. I think horror's probably got just the best, the best title in your genre
2: that you can have. Oh, it's so true. And, like, it's it's great because, like, you have all the exploitation movies. That are just in it for the title and then you have all the cheesy movies you just don't care it's amazing i love this genre
1: well mine is my first one we're gonna go to the double entendre category and it's a high school comedy from 2010 called easy a
3: let me just begin by saying that there are two sides to every story and this is my side the right one I used to be anonymous, and nothing, a non-entity. Olive. That's your name, right? Yeah. Uh, we've had nine classes together since kindergarten. Mm-hmm. So here it is, part one. Just a Do you want to go out with me? Brandon, just a couple hours ago you told me you
2: were gay. You said I should pretend to be straight.
3: I didn't mean with me.
2: I am tormented every day at school. Just one good imaginary fling.
3: Which brings us to part two.
2: Set Olive with Brandon?
3: No, grunt. and make it convincing. Oh! Don't stop! stop. Oh,
0: I'm not gonna stop.
3: You ready for the grand finale? Yeah. What?
0: Oh! Yeah! Thank you.
3: What's up? I always thought that pretending to lose my virginity would be a little more special. Judy Bloom should have prepared me for that.
1: Brandon told me what you did for him. No, he told me the truth. I was just hoping that maybe you could do the same for me.
3: So whether I liked it or not, I was open for business. 20% off to Bath & Body Works? Is that how much our imaginary trust spent to you? I fake rocked your world. We need to pray for her, but we also need to get her the hell out of here. Amen. On Monday, things took a turn for the scandalous.
0: Screw all these people, Olive.
3: Ironically, we were studying the Scarlet Letter. This girl named Hester Prynne has an affair with the minister, is besmirched, and made to wear a red A for adulterer. Perhaps you should embroider a red A on your wardrobe. I'm not proud of this. I want to hold them like they do in Texas, please. No judgment, but you kind of look like a stripper. Mom
1: a high-end stripper
2: for governors or athletes easy A.
1: I remember this movie it's such a good movie uh directed by will gluck starring emma stone and amanda Bynes. there's all kinds of good people in this cast but the story is it's a clean-cut high school student who relies on the school's rumor mill to advance her social and financial standing like i said double entendre This title, Easy A, works on two levels, so obviously it's a high school movie, and the obvious look is that Easy A is, you know, you get a good grade without trying very hard. On the other hand, Easy A also means that she's easy, because that's what the rumors are making her out to be, and A is the Scarlet Letter. So, yeah, really, really kind of clever title for this one, and it's a really fun movie. If you like those 80s comedies, it's kind of like a throwback to 80s comedies and it's got some good drama mixed in there emma stone fans should like this you got stanley tucci in there too the tooch (laughs) you can never go wrong with some stanley tucci so easy a from 2010 that's my first one the double entendre
2: that's a really good one i like that a lot i remember that coming out and like people being surprised by like how good it was i was that's what i remember most about it yeah I, I think I watched it at, like pretty soon after, but like also I was probably like fifteen when I watched <laughs> it or something. So sure. I'm sure I didn't appreciate it as much as I would watch as if I watched it now.
1: <laughs> Definitely worth a rewatch. Cool,
2: cool. All right then. All right. Not this is uh this isn't really a double entendre. It's basically a single entendre. But <laughs> boy is it suggestive. So get get ready. I hope you're sitting down for this. I'm holding on to my hat. Yeah. So, your vice is a locked room and only I have the key. This almost made my list. <laughs> it's so good. I that I was looking through, like, Giallo movies and I was like, boy, I know there's one I'm forgetting. And then I came across it and I'm like, I forgot that this was suggested to me by a former professor. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's wild. And, like... What's amazing is that the movie is even more wild than the title, which is hard. Hard to do. Hard to live up to a title like that. But man, I have... I mean, I have seen movies with more despicable characters. But, like, it's been a long time (laughs) since I've seen a movie with so many despicable characters in it. Oh, man. It's, like, very unpleasant to watch. It's not, like, super cheesy. It's, like... It's an erotic thriller giallo film, basically. And it's just got a lot of, like, this woman who's, like, constantly humiliated and beaten by her drunk writer husband who's been washed out for years and, like, constantly holds orgies and has affairs. And, like, there's this weird, like, thing where there's a black character and I can't tell whether the writer was racist or whether the writer was writing racist characters and there's a distinction there but i can't tell which it was because she gets killed off like 30 minutes into the movie without getting much screen time to actually be a character so it's it's strange it's a strange movie i don't know if i would call it good or not
1: (laughs) (laughs) i would not call it well i would call it interesting but i wouldn't call it good
2: yeah yeah i i think that's accurate it I mean, it's that thing, you know, like there's plenty of horror movies that are clearly in the spirit of porn films in the like in the way they hold themselves and the way they present their erotic material. Oh, and yeah. That's, this is definitely one of them, but it's so unpleasant that like, you know, it takes the unpleasantness of Giallo and the eroticism of erotic thriller and it's a strange blend, very strange blend.
1: Even the uh, even the poster, if you've ever seen the poster for this, <laughs> even the poster is really grotesque and strange. It's so unsettling.
2: We're talking about the one with like the keyhole, right? Yes, yeah, it's yeah. a
1: keyhole, and there's I I think there's like some twisted faces
2: in the keyhole. Yep, there's something very in the mouth of madness about that poster. I don't yeah. know if that was an inspiration for that uh, for that movie's poster like 20 years later or whatever, but.
1: Might have been that one's also from '72 as well, just like the other ones that you watched this week. Yeah,
2: again, complete coincidence. I wasn't just trolling through 1972 films, but it just happened that way.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, '72s. Your vice is a locked room, and only I have the key. Man, such a good pick.
2: Oh, oh man, I felt like I couldn't possibly not pick it. <laughs>
1: Well, I have uh, my next one, my number four, is my longest title as well, and this is going to be from my funny category. It's to me one of the funniest movies of of the 2010s, and it's Popstar, Never Stop Never Stopping from 2016.
2: Yes! Oh, it's been so long since I've heard that name.
1: Ever since I was born, I was dope.
2: He has 32 people on his personal payroll. Sure, Connor
3: surrounds himself with people who are agreeable.
0: Oh! It went in! It went in! in. (laughs) I'm a
1: superstar!
0: Connor, did you take a shit
1: in the Anne Frank house? Do not go in there! Woo! this is my best friend maximus he's like the closest thing i've ever had to like a little brother if i had like a mute brother that was hella scaly counter second album drops today out of four possible stars rolling stone has given it the shit emoji so mixed let's call it mixed reviews Oh, this is such an underwatched movie. I wouldn't call it underrated because everybody who watches it thinks it's hilarious, but it's so underseen.
2: That's an excellent distinction. Yes, I would completely agree.
1: Yeah, and this one is uh, its directed by, Lon- by the Lonely Island crew. So you've got Akiva Schaefer, Jorma Tacone, and uh, Andy Samberg. And it stars all three of them, as well as Chris Redd and Imogen Poots. And then there's a ton a ton of music cameos and star cameos in here almost every scene has somebody important that you know of in music and it is crazy how they got all those cameos into one movie
2: really is i mean i feel as though the lonely island has a certain like weird out quality to it where everyone just likes them
1: oh yeah <laughs> this one follows the rise and fall of rapper connor for real played by andy samberg after he breaks away from his old group the style boys it's uh it's like a mockumentary, so it's kind of it just kind of tracks him and it is as ridiculous as the title would make it seem. It is well written, it's super witty, rapid-fire jokes and there was one moment in this that left me laughing so hard for probably 3 minutes straight that I had to like rewind the Blu-ray. <laughs> I guess you don't rewind Blu-rays, but skip back on the Blu-ray so I could uh, see it again. God, the they songs. Had
2: some... Yes, I was just about to say.
1: Yeah, the song. So they did all original music for this from Lonely Island, and starting with the the single "I'm So Humble," which <laughs> is funny in itself. But he has so many guest stars on these songs too. It's one of those soundtracks that you can listen to, and the beats are really great, so you can listen without the lyrics, and it's still great. But if you pay attention to the lyrics, you're just going to be laughing your ass off.
2: Oh, man. Such a good movie. I'm so glad to be reminded of that movie. (laughs) I'm just laughing. (laughs) Pop star Never
1: Stop, Never Stopping from 2016.
2: Man, there's not many movies that can really live up to a movie like This Is Spinal Tap, but I feel like that movie is like this, like, this generation's, like, worthy successor. It's so lovely. That, that is, I'd I, I say that's a, that's a worthy, the worthy contender, but I'm going to try and match up to it with uh, what I believe to be one of the crowning achievements of humankind. Uh, <laughs> and this is the title, Mansquito.
0: The disease affects both young and old. Every bed
1: is They're doing all they do. He was uh, scheduled to take part in our experimental drug
0: testing program. But... Wait, wait, wait. What are you saying that uh, you're experimenting on convicts? Too
3: little and nothing happens. Too much and who knows what you'd get.
1: Have you ever seen anything like this?
0: must have done something to him i'm telling you it must have altered his dna somehow
2: oh i've not heard of this movie mansquito is not only one of the greatest words ever conceived by human beings in our time on the planet but is also arguably the best sci-fi original movie ever made which is not a high bar to meet but it is a notable bar because mansquito is so fun like I will say, like, out of all five of the movies that I have on my list, like, I think Mansquito might have been, miles away, the most fun of any of them. It is, like, you couldn't possibly fit more cheese into this movie. They use, (laughs) like, like a mosquito, a humanoid mosquito, like, guy in a suit, and it's so, so entertaining. Every time it's on camera... It's, it's just good enough to where you can appreciate it, and it's not, like, robot monster or something. <laughs> like, but it's it's just, it's a guy in a suit, and it's a giant mosquito dude, and it's so funny. I loved every single second that, like, once the movie got going uh, with the actual, like, Mosquito Man, Mansquito premise... It's fantastic and it's 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 very obviously inspired by the fly from 1986 which Jeff Goldblum Oh yeah uh, you know because basically there's an escape convict he uh, causes a lab to blow up where they're uh, like they're putting radiation in mosquitoes to try and uh, cure a virus that mosquitoes are spreading and like from there once that happens, boom, we're off to the races. The guy transforms almost immediately. The convict transforms almost immediately into a giant mosquito dude and <laughs> just sticks his, like, proboscis into everyone, and he rifts people apart, he's climbing on walls, and he grows wings eventually. It's glorious. It's every single second he's on screen is glorious. And then the researcher who's with him in the lab when it explodes transforms more slowly. So you get your creature feature movie at the same time as you're getting your The Fly-esque transformation movie, and oh. it's—I love it. I love it. There's a really, really funny scene where, uh, and it's funny in a refreshing way because it's like it's well done enough to actually appreciate, but it's still really funny. Uh, if that makes any sense. But there's a scene. There's a scene where she's like making out with her boyfriend, and. She like then she gets the hunger for blood in her eyes, and she scratches his chest, uh, with her nails so hard that it draws blood and starts like lapping it up, and it's it's great, <laughs> it's great. Ah, uh, there's there's a lot of I mean there's a lot of individually very funny scenes, but really, what's a gem about this movie is the fact that it's very fun as a whole. It's not just like a couple scenes that make the movie. It's just the movie makes the movie oh and of course mansquito mansquito i can't there is actually sometimes released and known as mosquito man and i can't imagine who has so little sense of humor that they would (laughs) say to the creators of this movie or the executives or whoever hey you know mansquito what are we trying to do with this title? Let's just call it Mosquito Man. Don't you think Mosquito's a little too cheesy? Ugh! Oh, I can't imagine who would have so little sense of humor. It's a crime, I tell you, a crime. <laughs> Nineteen? What was this? When was this from? Two thousand five. Right in the heyday of the best of the worst sci-fi <laughs> original movies. Anybody that that we might know in the cast? Uh, I don't know about the cast, but the director is the guy who made The Gate from 1987, which is oh, actually okay. like an unironically really good movie. <laughs> not very well known, but very good.
1: Is this on streaming or anywhere that people can watch this thing? Because I want to see it. It is
2: free with ads on Amazon. Um, I'm not sure if you have to have Prime to get it free with ads. I think you might. But um, yeah, it's it's available on Amazon uh, free with ads. Uh, conditionally. (laughs) This sounds like something I need to see. I agree. I think it's something that everyone needs to see. (laughs) (laughs) Mansquito from 2005. Yes. Oh, lovely, lovely film.
1: (laughs) Well, I'll go back to the 2000s as well with my badass title. I can't wait. And this one is a Japanese film called Battle Royale.
2: Yes, yes.
1: In the near future, the Japanese government captures a class of ninth grade students and forces them to kill each other under the Revolutionary Battle Royale Act. This is a movie that spawned a whole genre of films, in my eyes. Uh, Anybody who's seen The Hunger Games, you're basically seeing Battle Royale's little sister there.
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah.
1: If you liked... The Hunger Games, and you want a little bit more out of your movie, because I, I thought the Hunger Games movies were terrible. Battle Royale will give it to you. Um, these students, essentially, there's the population's getting too big, and they decide that they're going to thin it out by having these ninth grade classes just go to this island randomly. They don't know. They're going to school one day. They have no idea. All of a sudden, they get shuttled onto buses, and if they don't, they get shot. And then they get to this island where they are given a random bag with a random weapon in it and they're told go get 'em tiger. <laughs> and uh <laughs> I think the funniest thing about this movie is is the weapon selection. So you get this uh-huh. random weapon. And some people get some of these kids get shotguns and handguns and then some get like boxing gloves <laughs> and <laughs> One person gets a paper fan.
2: Yes! (laughs) (laughs) You're just. It's one of the funniest moments in the movie. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Um, uh, Brutal deaths. It's got some super cool scenes and this just kind of never ending sense of dread because you just don't know who's going to get it next. It spawned a genre, the many enter, one leaves formula that has even gone past movies. So if you play video games, you're probably familiar with Fortnite or PUBG or the many other uh, clones in this genre that have this Battle Royale formula. And it all kind of started right here in 2000 with Battle Royale.
2: Man, Battle Royale, I mean, Battle Royale does get talked about enough that I feel like it's probably safe to say it's not underrated. But like, I, I feel like there's something about it the way that it uses like humor while also being like legitimately unsettling in the brutality of its violence and like this just the situation of just a bunch of kids being forced to kill each other like the hunger games takes its sort like takes that premise very seriously and like in the books at least like yeah, i feel like it comes across well at least in the first book and then like in battle royale it's a unique experience um because it takes its, it doesn't take itself fully seriously. I, it's hard to describe. I, I don't know exactly how to say it. Because <laughs> it does, but it doesn't at the same time. It kind of reminds me of uh, the live-action Gantz movie. I honestly tonally, I feel like that's the closest thing I can think of off the top, of my, off the top of my head. Because there's some really weird like comedy that's really, really funny in the movie, but then there's also just horrific brutality and the premise is uh, just full of dread and like endlessly high stakes and anyone can die. And yeah,
1: if you watch the Hunger Games and somebody gets an arrow to the chest, they fall down dead. And and in Battle Royale, when somebody gets an arrow into the chest, blood flies everywhere. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's uh, exploitation levels of violence and the deaths, which I think adds to a bit of the comedic tone as well as the dread.
2: Yeah, for sure, for sure.
1: So that was my number three, Battle Royale from 2000.
2: It's a good pick. Well, um, speaking of uh, blood flying everywhere and exploitation, uh, I'm going to give you my second Giallo title since we're uh, in the badass category. Now, this is a movie that has had like 10 titles or something. Um, It's most commonly known as A Bay of Blood, but the title that I'm going with That is my favorite title by far among them, is Twitch of the Death Nerve.
0: Eine Idylle wie aus vergangenen Zeiten, unberührt und friedlich. Eine Lagune zum Träumen. Doch manchmal gibt es ein böses Erwachen. (laughs)
2: this has always been like peak movie title to me it's so uh, it's so extra it is so far beyond what is necessary in a title and i love it And, and it's funny too because the movie itself is an exploitation level in every sort of core production level Like, it's a movie that's just full of kills, loosely connected by, like, a complex plot, but a very confusing one. And, like, reading the plot synopsis, if, okay, so if anyone has not seen this movie, like, I would actually encourage you to read the plot synopsis on Wikipedia first. Because it's one of the funniest things I've ever done. Because it's like, everyone is constantly killing someone else, or trying to. And it's, like, it, it gets to the level where, like, new characters just, like, pop into the movie not to be killed, but to kill existing characters for reasons of their own. It's bonkers. It's just amazing kill after amazing kill. It feels like watching Friday the 13th unfold in front of you, like, 14 years before it was made. uh, Or, except, like... It's so much bloodier. And, like, Friday the 13th was criticized at the time for being pretty violent by some groups, right? But, like, a bay of blood, a.k.a. Twitch of the Death Nerve, like, lives up to blood. Man, there's, there's people who get speared into each other while making out and having sex on a bed. There's a guy who gets... An, actually, there's another guy who gets a spear and gets speared to a wall. There's, n- there's throat slits. The first kill in the movie made me gasp. like as i was like i was it was so it wasn't necessarily unexpected but like the brutality and suddenness of it was unexpected um the there's a character who gets who's in a wheelchair and she looks up and she like gasps and then it's like a hand with a noose in it and grabs her puts her head through the noose and kicks the wheelchair out from under her and then leaves her to (laughs) hang
1: That's brutal.
2: It's so intense. (laughs) Like, it's the least bloody kill of the movie. But I think it's the most intense one, and it sets the tone real well. And then the guy who kills her, right, gets killed, like, minutes afterwards. Like, it's... I have not... I don't think I've ever seen a movie that was quite so blatantly just, like, we just need to kill people. Like, just, like, keep killing people. We'll, We'll make the plot as complicated as possible so that people have a reason to watch everyone get killed. (laughs) It's amazing. It's, it's a really important precursor to slasher films. It became more widely seen in the U S probably because it was also paired frequently with, um, last house on the left, which is another very historically important horror film. Twitch of the death nerve, amazing title, excellent kills also directed by Mario Bava, like probably one of his least well-received films at the time by critics But like, still, fantastic. And it's excellently shot because Mario Bava hardly ever disappoints if we're honest with ourselves.
1: Yeah, this is this is a great like you said, it's a precursor to Friday the 13th. If you if you have seen the Friday the 13th movies and then you watch this, you'll notice a lot of the kills in this were straight up ripped off into the Friday the 13th franchise.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, there's a great moment in the movie where a character is about to get decapitated by an axe, and the axe, like, raises up in the air. And I, I almost, like, I, I almost, like, threw my hands up in the air with my phone in it, which would have been disastrous. But, like, (laughs) I, I, like, threw, almost threw my hands up in the air, because I was like, this is literally a shot from Friday the 13th.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an important movie for slasher fans. Like like she said here in the U.S., it's gonna be under a Bay of Blood. I just ordered the Blu-ray from Kino. Uh, Kino had a sale, so I just got Bay of Blood in, and I have not yet seen the Blu-ray. But I have I I saw this movie a, a long time ago. I'm looking forward to digging into it in uh, high def.
2: Oh, in high def, those kills are gonna look awesome. Oh, I'm so. They envious. will be glorious. <laughs> Excellent.
1: So that was a Twitch of the Death Nerve from 1971. Your Bay of Blood pick goes directly into my number two pick, which is a movie title that changed the world. And it's Friday the 13th.
2: There you go.
1: 1980.
0: Oh, hi. What are you doing out in this
2: mess? One, two.
0: You're doomed. You're all doomed. Things. We were just messing a team. Four oh, five. Dave, oh, Dave. Six. It must be my imagination.
1: Yeah, this is like a great double feature right here. There you
2: go. Yeah, it's 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 the it's a double feature in the sense that you're kind of watching one and a half movies since they're basically like fifty percent <laughs> of each other.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're watching uh, you're watching an amalgamation.
2: Yeah, <laughs> we've managed to uh, separate the two strands of your <laughs> DNA, and this is this is what we have here. So I
1: think everybody knows the story of Friday the 13th. If you haven't, you've been living under a rock. There's, I think, what, 11 or 12 movies now in the franchise spanning how many decades? God, Plus I Plus mean, remakes and...
2: It's spanning four decades now and I think... it Actually, it's only been one remake, right? Because there's been the crossover with Freddy. Uh... Yes.
1: There was the Michael Bay, Michael Bay produced remake.
2: Yes, yes. I remember many people maligning that movie when it came out. Uh, I never saw it, so I, I can't speak to its quality.
1: I but, didn't see it either, and I saw no point to see it, because how can you get better than Friday the 13th? It's,
2: it's such a solid movie, and like, if people don't know the conceit behind it, like uh, it's, a, it's an interesting shock to go into. It's more shocking with uh, the twist in the movie nowadays, I think.
1: Oh, for sure. In the 80s, it was funny because Halloween became a huge success in in 78. And Mm. this is a Paramount movie, I'm pretty sure. And Paramount basically said, hey, we want that kind of success. Go do whatever you want to Sean Cunningham. And this is what he came up with. And it's a little bit deeper in plot than Halloween. Like the uh, motivations are a little bit deeper. Yeah, that's true. And then it has, which I talked about in in another episode, it has one of the best jump scares of all time at the end.
2: Oh yeah, it's 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 very well set up. It's iconic. It's gloriously shot the way they use the soft focus. Oh, yeah, very very good.
1: So good. But the reason I have it on my list is because it did change the world. When you th- when you see it's Friday the 13th, the very first thing you think about is this movie. It's it's one of those titles that turns a day on the calendar a little bit spookier no matter what month it's in and I thought that was really cool when I was coming up with this list it was you know a lot of them just sound good to me but this one everybody knows of that date and associates it with this movie and I thought that was really cool
2: yeah no it's a great point I mean I mean it's funny too because Friday the 13th is kind of the first of its kind in a lot of ways and almost wasn't because if the script for The Burning, which I think was written before the script for Friday the 13th, if that had been produced, that might have been the really famous slasher movie that kicked off the that breed of slasher in the 80s. But The Burning is mostly forgotten, and people remember Friday the 13th. I think fittingly so.
1: We could have 12 Burning movies right now.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah 12 <laughs> movies with Cropsy. That'd be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and a Michael
1: Bay Burning remake.
2: Oh, oh man, I can't even imagine. <laughs> you know, it's funny, the the trailer for Friday the 13th is really cheesy and really fun. It's real great. It sells the movie really well. And then you've got the trailer for The Burning, which is so <laughs> bad that it was famously parodied by the fake trailers in Grindhouse. On to your number two. So I'm just, I'm going to... Uh, Just pick the one that's not my favorite on my list. And uh, I'm going to say Werewolves on Wheels. Don't miss the most unusual and exciting horror motorcycle film yet made. I come
0: to offer you youth and fresh, fresh blood. Hey, we all know how we're going to die, baby. We're going to crash and burn. Werewolves on Wheels, starring Steve Oliver and Severn Darden. The story of a motorcycle gang who ride into a new kind of hell. They ride wild, play hard, and fight brutal. I write your unholy name thrice in blood. I of Satan, you are one with them. I Satan, you are one with them. Satan. Werewolves on wheels—the most eerie, the most chilling, the most terrifying
2: motorcycle horror film ever made. I've—I recently just heard about this movie for the first time, but I've not seen it. This is a movie, you know. You know what? It changed my world, okay? Because growing up, this was a VH it was the VHS tape I wasn't allowed to watch in the house, right? This was a movie my dad got somewhere when he was traveling for work because he saw. The po- he saw the cover of the VHS and saw the title and was like, <laughs> "That sounds great." And I was never allowed to watch it because, you know, biker gang werewolf movie that advertises itself as having a bunch of like prom- promiscuity and nudity. Like, yeah, funny that my parents didn't let me see that one growing up. But man, I it's sad that it doesn't live up to all the, to how much it built up in my brain and to the premise uh. of werewolves and bikers and werewolf bikers it's amazing to me that they weren't able to make a more interesting movie Uh, in the same way that it's amazing to me that they weren't able to make a more interesting movie out of the incredibly strange creatures who stopped living and became mixed up zombies it's a zombie musical with a with another amazing title and it's like sometimes movies just disappoint and it's sad this movie's really boring of all the things that's too bad Yeah, it really is. It really is. But, you know, Werewolves on Wheels, I feel like, is so evocative and sells the movie immediately as exactly what it is, which I think is really valuable. I I, I can't help but have a fondness for another movie called Haunted Prison, which also has the name Death Row, but whatever. I like the name Haunted Prison because that's exactly what it is. You get ghosts killing people in a prison. And that's the entire movie. And there's nothing more <laughs> or less to it. And like in a similar way, like werewolves on wheels immediately. You're like, yes, we've got alliteration. We've got werewolves. We've got biker gang. Just, yeah, you put it in my VHS player. Put it on right now. I want to see it immediately. This sounds like a title that should be remade. It does. It absolutely is. And like, I feel like... Nowadays, there's not as much appeal for sort of like biker gang movies, but you know what? It should be remade. Even if it's some made-for-TV movie, it should be remade. It deserves the glory that its title promises us.
1: Honestly, biker movies should make a comeback. I mean, there was a huge heyday for those in the late 70s, all the way like Easy Rider style. And then, yeah, they all just kind of went away.
2: I mean, absolutely. I mean, that's why this movie got made. The some apparently uh, someone was looking to make a biker gang movie. They just wanted someone to make them a biker gang movie. And so this guy was like, hmm, you know, werewolves are popular and biker gangs are what this guy is looking for. If I combine the two, then I could sell this movie above my competition.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If anybody is a is a writer and is listening, you have a goldmine with this title right here. Just remake it.
2: Yes, people are clamoring. Not really, for Werewolves on Wheels, the remake.
1: You'll have two tickets sold.
2: Yeah, coming to uh, three screens and direct-to-video afterwards near you.
1: Yeah, coming to VOD.
2: Yeah, coming to VOD, straight to your living room.
1: All right, that's Werewolves on Wheels from 1971. Heck yeah. And it's a shame that it didn't live up, because I just heard about this recently and kind of wanted to see it, and now I i'm glad i can skip it
2: yeah i mean it's a shame i I wish you couldn't skip it i wish you couldn't skip it i wish it was mandatory viewing for anyone who likes either werewolves or bikers well on to
1: my number one my favorite movie title of all time there was another one that was very close to making this spot and i left it off because i talked about it recently so i'll mention that one real quick that's back to the future um that one did not make my list because uh, i just talked about it too recently great title though
2: really is and it's it's even better once you've seen the movie because then it's like oh yeah it's true they go back in time (laughs) they go back to the future because that's the goal of the movie it's not it's not the selling point of the movie cool yep and then it works it it works a
1: completely different way for the second one which is Mm -hmm. it's cool in that in that respect But I had to go with a 70s movie as well for my favorite of all time, directed by Sam Peckinpah from 1974, Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia.
0: This is Alfredo Garcia. He's about to become a very important man.
1: We are looking for an old buddy of ours,
0: a compadre named Alfredo Garcia. A private army is scouring three countries to find Alfredo Garcia. Don't worry if he's alive, I'll find him. Alive isn't our problem. Someone has offered a million dollars for his head. If I ever get my hands on him, I'm gonna kill him. All that will require from you is physical proof that Garcia is dead. And we're prepared to settle for his head. Bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia. <laughs> this man will become an animal. Right
1: Alfredo's
0: our saint. He's the saint of our money. I wanna take it to him. I love you. This woman's dreams of love will be destroyed. I've been here before. You don't know the way. Innocent people will suffer. With Alfredo's help, we can do anything, honey. Holy ground will be desecrated. You don't want me to be part of that, do you? You are a part of it. Twenty-five people will die. Just being together is enough. No, it's not, baby. All because of Alfredo Garcia.
2: Wow, that's such a good title. That blew me I away.
1: love this title. Um, it's always been one of my favorite titles. And funny enough, the first time I ever heard of this movie, I used to work in a Best Buy store and I was stocking the movies and this came out on DVD and I would never heard of it and I, I picked it up to stock it. And I read that title, Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia, and I was so hooked just by the title alone. Wow. This is uh, a Warren Oates stars as Benny, and it's about a, a pianist who, he's a pianist in a in a bar, and he and his prostitute girlfriend go on a trip through the Mexican underworld to collect a bounty on the head of a dead gigolo. Uh, this Because uh, there's uh, like a familial battle and this guy offers up a million dollars for this head of this dead person and he thinks it's going to be a really easy task. And of course, in true Peckinpah fashion, it's not. This is, um, have you seen this movie before? I haven't. I haven't even
2: heard of it. This sounds really cool.
1: Yeah, and and as a horror fan, uh, you might like some of Peckinpah's late 70s uh, late late 60s, early 70s stuff, because he got really violent when a lot of people weren't doing violence in things like Westerns with the Wild Bunch and in this one here. I personally think it's his last masterpiece. Um, he started going down this route of alcoholism and cocaine abuse, wow. started kind of losing his mind. And the film kind of it kind of mirrors that. You can almost see how tired he is in the characters on screen. Like it's mirroring his own mental slide, but it is such a good movie. It's dirty. It leaves you wanting to take a shower afterwards, (laughs) but it's good. Um, Critics did not like it when it came out, but they have started to come around. Well, they started to come around on it later on. Mm. Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. Tough to beat that title from 1974, but let's hear your favorite title of all time
2: that is a tough one uh and for sheer the moment you hear it jaw-dropping i don't think i can beat it but i'm going to try and explain why i think this is a really good title nonetheless it's the only movie uh, title on my list that's not original to film uh it's called the cat and the canary
0: you want to go first yeah no certainly not ladies always go first oh nice Watch that step. Watch it. <laughs> hey. oh. 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 It's got me. It's got my hands. It's got my it's got cheese. It's this hand. It's this. It's. Oh. 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 Oh! Hurry up. I feel like a mouse. Get, Get me out of this. <laughs>
2: This is based on a play from 1922, uh, and it was made into a silent film in 1927, and then like a talkie uh, in like 1939, and I think there might be another version of it, Uh, but there's tons of versions of The Cat and the Canary, but I love this title. It's gorgeously alliterative, it rolls off the tongue really well, uh, and it's so evocative immediately, just on, it has a certain beautiful metaphor to it without even seeing the movie there's a certain image of like so like something in the dark stalking this very beautiful vivacious like songbird right and like there's a sense of sort of like it like sort of high society or something in there is like the car- canary is this uh bird that's kept in cages and you know shown off and it's it's really cool uh It is not, uh, at least the 1939 version and the original play, they're not very serious. Uh, they're very comedic. Uh, they're basically parodies of the old Dark House movie, or, like, the old Dark House play, uh, genre. It, like, like a lot of, uh, old Dark House movies were originally based on plays, and, uh, if you've ever seen Scooby-Doo, Where Are You?, then you're very familiar (laughs) with the tropes of the old Dark House movie, uh and i mean like goodness gracious i i can't get over like how well the title is just like immediately like evocative and sells itself well uh without even having seen anything about it and then in the movie it finds ways to sell like sell the title even more because like the like it's not just that like oh someone is stalking this person because the basic idea is there's a guy who dies, he invites his family to the mansion for the reading of the will, uh, and he says that uh, one person will be the sole heir, but since insanity runs in the family, if they die or are found to be insane before they can collect, then the next person in line, who, whose name is in like a sealed envelope, will be the person who will be the sole heir. And so... Very quickly, it seems that someone is trying to drive the named soul heir, Joyce, insane. And then, after that doesn't quite work, trying to kill her. And it's all this very serious plot. It's every old Dark House movie ever made. Uh, but it's real corny. It's a little bit like a screwball comedy. Uh, like, there's lots of offhanded jokes and characters, like, talking at each other. and But... It's got all the. It's got the eyes, the eyes of the portrait falling away, and then creepy eyes of a person looking through them. It's got a claw. That's
1: definitely Scooby Doo. Oh,
2: very yes. It's such a great trope. I don't even know what the originator is. I don't even know if there is an originator, but it's one of my favorite tropes probably. Um, there, it's got this great shot of like a clawed hand reaching toward her in bed. Uh, which is, you know, part of why it's called the Cat and the Canary, because it's got like this the killer with the clawed hand. But uh, I mean, the movie the movie ends and it's like, oh yeah, you know, the the person who did it. It's like it, it could only be so many people. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. It, it's it <laughs> it's luckily it's not uh, it's not too obvious. It's it's a enjoyable enough like, oh, that's who did it. Much like any Scooby Doo much like any Scooby Doo movie, there's nothing supernatural and. You know, the person who, like, you probably could have guessed, but maybe you didn't. That's the person who did it. Who did it. It's, it's, it's a fine movie, but the title, The Cat and the Canary, uh, for years, I hadn't seen it, but I kept thinking of it based on no knowledge at all except for the title. So I got to throw it out there. It's my favorite.
1: That is what a great title will do. It will draw you to that film for sure.
2: Years and years. It's,
1: it's it's kind of funny that our last 3 were all about people chasing fortunes so i think uh, yeah. bay of blood is about you know a bunch of people trying to chase a fortune cat in the Canary is, and then bring me the head of alfredo garcia as well
2: yeah well i mean it's funny with uh bay of blood aka twitch of the death nerve like yeah there's like one character <laughs> who's not trying to chase a fortune <laughs> and he lasts Longer than almost anyone else in the movie, he's just out. He's out for his own uh, personal goals, and he <laughs> and he kills like more people than I think anyone else. It's great. Anyway, yeah, no, it, chasing fortune though. It's uh, I guess it le- lends itself to uh, to really good titles. That is true. Uh, did you
1: have any that that almost made your list but didn't, like some quick hit ones? Oh,
2: absolutely. Uh, Chopping Mall from uh, Jim Wynorski. Oh, yeah, there's Killdozer, which I cut in favor of Mansquito, but, you know, it's a killer bulldozer, killdozer, with an exclamation mark. I like it. (laughs) There's Arsenic and Old Lace, which I uh, cut for Cat in the Canary. I like it for similar reasons. It's very evocative. It clues you in on what it's going to be about before you've even seen it. Um, Night of the Living Dead and Texas Chainsaw Massacre are great, and Curse of the Living Corpse is great. And then you've got all of the Giallo films, like Bird with the crystal plumage, black belly of the tarantula, the seven blood-stained <laughs> orchids, the strange color of your body's tears, which I think is a more recent uh, Giallo film, but similarly amazing title. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about you? You got any others?
1: Yeah, so I had Blood on Satan's Claw, yes. um, Driller Killer, which is just a <laughs> crazy grid title. I forgot and, about that um, one.
2: That's a great. That's a great one.
1: And then I almost put. Uh, a movie as my double entendre one the gift which oh. is from 2015 which is fantastic.
2: oh man that one doesn't get you until you've seen the end of the movie. oh man yeah and that's that's oh.
1: why I didn't uh, I didn't include it because I would have to explain it if you've not seen the gift from 2015 go see the gift because oh. it is great
2: Oh God <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a good that's a good point it's a really good point.
1: Well, yeah, I hope that this discussion has listeners thinking about their favorite movie titles, Um, but why don't you tell them a little bit more about some podcasts that you're involved with and some things that they can listen to after they listen to this show?
2: Heck yeah. So I have a podcast called The Weekly Rabbit Hole, which is a podcast about deep dives on small stories. It's all about getting into the peripherals on very narrow topics because a lot of times the weird stuff around the edges of history is the most interesting part of it. Uh, I have episodes coming out every Sunday. Uh, the, right, the first episode is about uh, the Coney Island Cyclone and all the copycats that followed it. Uh, and the first season will follow in its wake with roller coasters and amusement parks, and seasons afterwards will be whatever I'm, I happen to be obsessed with at the time. <laughs> And uh, I also do uh, voiceover recording and sound editing for a podcast with Cassandra Walker called Woke Mental Wellness. Uh, It is a mental wellness podcast for black queer people. Uh, I think it's lovely. Uh, They are my partner. And of course, I like everything they do, but I legitimately enjoy editing the podcast. So I will certainly plug that as well.
1: That's awesome and that's something that a lot of people can use right now is some mental wellness especially in these times that we're in. Ain't it true? So I listened to the first episode the Coney Island Cyclone today and I loved it. It is oh. It's it's a quick listen too, so it's not one of these podcasts that's hours long. It's uh you know, you can listen to it on a on a lunch break and it will definitely get you curious for more. Uh, I instantly went to see if there were more, and I will be waiting on the next one. So the uh, yeah, the Coney Island Cyclone one is the one I listened to,
2: and uh, super interesting. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Oh, that makes me blush. Makes me very happy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's good stuff. Thank you. Uh, remember, for this show, anybody can be a guest. The only requirement is that you love movies. If you have a five list that you want to discuss with me on air. You can email me at force5podcast at gmail.com, or the easier way, just head to the website force5podcast.com, which has a show request form and other Force 5 related content. Until next time, stay safe, stay sane, and watch movies.
0: What I need is a woman who can think and fight and chew gum at the same time. <laughs> Force 5.